when Harold was about three or four years old, I think he was three, uh, we brought him into the nursery one day, and we were one of the first people to get to church and drop our kids off at the nursery. Uh, no brag, just fact. And uh, we had a toy in the nursery that you've probably seen. It's kind of a little tykes, you know, thing for the real little kids. It, had a, it has a platform and a ladder and a little place they can kind of get under and a slide. You know, and it's about this tall. It's plastic. Nod your head like you've seen one. Uh, and we had that in the nursery, and Harold came ripping into the nursery, and he jumped up those steps, and he stood on the platform and planted himself, and he said, Today I will preach to you about Jesus in the lion's den. Now, you know, he's close. He's a kid. And the kids love that story, don't they? Kids love the story of Jesus, well, Daniel, in the lion's den. There's something about it. It's got animals in it, and uh, we've, who doesn't want to pet a lion? I mean, it's, like, it's, it's kind of a lot of our secret fantasies. But when you take into account the fact that Daniel was about 80 years old when it happened, that it was basically a miracle he was thrown into the den and didn't break a hip, that it was kind of the ultimate climax of his life, a life that had been spent in exile and struggle and suffering, we see that Daniel in the lion's den is really a great sermon for a week like this, a week when Tulsa gets to make the news, uh, a week when... Uh, we just can't hide from it anymore. Maybe the, we, instead of talking about Daniel in the lion's den, we should talk about us living in the lion's den, surrounded with bad news. I, I think of the words of the uh, bare-naked ladies when they said, the hits start coming and they won't stop coming. Uh, I think they meant that as a positive thing. But, uh, you know, at some point over the, this, this season, I've just kind of started to pray, Lord, I know that we are in your hands. Would you please stop striking me? It gets tiring, tragedy, pain, death. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to say something like, something stupid like, man, it's just getting hard to stand up under all this, isn't it? No, it's not hard. It's way past hard. It's impossible. And, and there's real danger of, of what's going on in our hearts after tragedy after tragedy. We begin to feel angry, numb, bitter, sad. And worst of all, we begin to feel despair. And I do think the book of Daniel is a good place to go for answers. Daniel was a godly man seeking the Lord, and because he was a godly man seeking the Lord, his life was full of pain. Because of that. And he shows us how to live in evil times. Dan Daniel, for us, demonstrates, in this chapter, demonstrates that if we will stay faithful to God, God will faithfully deliver us. If we'll just stay faithful, you don't have to be heroic, just stay faithful, 
God will faithfully deliver us. Please stand as we read all of this just beautiful story uh, from Daniel chapter 6. Daniel's fellow administrators, he was very high up in the government, and they, um, they were all mad at him because he was being too honest, and, and that was starting to dig into their pocketbooks. We'll talk about that in just a second. Started with chapter, verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber toward, open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came up by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said to him before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction that you have signed. But he makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. And then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. And at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. Because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted his God. And the king commanded and those who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. 
His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. This father reading of God's word, all men are like grass, and all of our glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's word. God's word stands forever. You may be seated. If we can just stay faithful, if we can just stay faithful in evil times, the Lord will be faithful to deliver us. Uh, the first thing we see in this text, and I want you to see it clearly, is that life isn't fair. Uh, that life is filled with trials and struggles, and, and it's just not fair. As a matter of fact, uh, Daniel was punished for being good. He was hated for being good. Uh, and, and we know, coming from the New Testament side of things, I don't know what they knew in the Old Testament, but we've kind of gotten to see behind the curtain in the New Testament, and we know that the reason why the trials never end and they're not fair is because Satan is a vigilant, evil force. Evil is real. Evil is real. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, Be sober. Be vigilant. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour. Our enemy's real. Therefore, we shouldn't be surprised when evil raises its head in our community or in our life. I mean, the the trials are relentless. They're relentless. Think about Daniel's life as a boy. He was kidnapped from his home. He was was taken to a foreign land. He was forced to learn foreign languages and foreign uh, studies and these these books that that he couldn't even read. He couldn't even understand the the images at first, and he had to study them. And, And every time he was raised up, it seemed like another trial came and another trial came. And now, 70 years later at least, he's being faced with a new trial. He finally got, you know, he finally got things good with Nebuchadnezzar. He finally gets lifted up and Nebuchadnezzar gets it and starts worshiping his God. And and just as soon as Nebuchadnezzar gets it, he dies. And his sons are made king and they're bad. And they don't get it. And then the Persians invade. And now we have King Darius. And he doesn't get it. And as an old man, he gets thrown into the lion's den. The, the trials are relentless. They're, they're unfair. Why did the men want him caught? They wanted him caught because if you read the whole text, you see that, that Daniel was put in charge of one-third of the nation gathering their taxes. And it was his job to make sure all the taxes were gathered. Now, the other two guys and all the people who worked for them uh, were grafting. They were, you know taking a little bit off the top for themselves. Daniel wouldn't do that, so he produced the most money of all the, the, the areas. And the uh, king saw that, saw that, hey, when I have Daniel in charge of the taxes over here, I get more taxes. So I'm going to make him over everything. He's cutting into people's fun, uh, pay- paychecks. He was being honest. He was being righteous. And because he was being righteous... The people who worked with him began to persecute him. 
Sounds like what Jesus tells us, right? Blessed are those who are persecuted. You want to go, really, Jesus? Well, blessed if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. They will persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you because that's the way they treated your fathers, the prophets, and that's the way they're going to treat you. That's, that is what the world is like. Uh, Luke, when he writes about probably a, a, t- a similar sermon, uh, he actually puts it in the negative. I like this one. He says, Cursed are you when all men speak good of you. I'm like, well, I got that one covered. <laughs> Cursed are you if people have nothing about you that they need, that they want to uh, accuse you of. That, that probably means you're one of them. The trials are unfair. There's collateral damage in life that we did not deserve or should not have had. I was talking to my dad yesterday about his father who committed suicide with nine children at home. Only, only two of them were old enough to take care of themselves. That wasn't fair. There was nothing those boys had done to deserve that. It's not fair. It's not fair that you get singled out for being righteous. And the trials are multifaceted. They come in various kinds. James tells us to count it all joy when we fall into various trials. What does that mean? Well, if you're, if you're attractive, you're, you're tempted to vanity. If you're unattractive, you're tempted to jealousy. If you're uh, doing well in your business, you're tempted to greed. If you're not doing as well as everyone else, you're tempted to bitterness. If you are like me, some of us are tempted by the very personalities are born with, prone to depression or despair or anger or bitterness. Some of us are are faced with unemployment. Others are faced with a physical pain, disease. Some are faced with with desertion and, and marriages where people said they would live with us forever and they didn't keep their promises. Others are cursed with singleness where uh, the, the marriage they always dreamed of hasn't come. Some of us are struggle with our faith. Some of us have doubts. Some of us struggle with temptation. Temptation is to sin and and we have struggles with our assurance. We don't know if we're really saved. On the other hand, there are people who should tr- struggle with their assurance because they're presumptive and self-righteous. And it's, it's like no matter where you go, you are not immune to getting punched. And it feels that way because no matter where you go, you're not immune to getting punched. And I'm making this point because I want you to understand that if life is a trial to you, it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean that God doesn't like you. It means that you live in a broken world. It's just what life is like. So what are you supposed to do in those situations? The king passes a law that anyone who prays can only pray to him. Strokes his ego a little bit. I like that. Let's do it. So what did Daniel do when faced with that? I love this. He did what he had always done. He went to his room. He opened the windows. He faced Jerusalem. 
because that's how King Solomon told people to pray. He says, if you're ever taken to a foreign land, he, he's praying to the Lord, the dedication of the temple. Dear Lord, if they are ever disobedient and taken to a foreign land and they turn their faces toward the temple, will you hear their prayers and restore them? And so he does that. He, he faces the, Jerusalem and he prays to the Lord of Jerusalem and he does it just like he had done every day previous. He just did what he does. And, and that's what we're called to do. Just do what we do. Just do the little faithful things. Just get up. Get out of bed. That's the hard one. Just read your Bible. Just make your breakfast. Just feed your family. Just go to work. Just do the regular things. We all want some kind of big, you know, big event where we can be heroic. I, uh, I was eating lunch with a kid one time when I was a campus minister. And this kid, bless his heart, he had the best intentions. He had the best intentions. But he, uh, he told me, he said, you know, he, he just got finished watching um, A Band of Brothers, that documentary about D-Day. And he goes, man, I, I kind of wish I could fight in a war. I looked at him and I said, you're full of beans. He goes, no, Really? I said, well, it was 2002. I said, buddy, there's this party going on in Iraq. You're invited. Well, I meant get drafted. <laughs> Just stop. We all want to do something heroic. And almost none of us will get a chance to be heroic. He just was faithful. Our opportunity to be heroic is to be faithful. Just do what you always do. That means not worrying about what might happen. Daniel, we're not told he cast a single thought about what might happen. That's our biggest struggle, isn't it? The what-ifs. I can't give you any tools about what-if. You know, you know what Jesus said about the what-ifs? He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that great? Today's bad enough. Let's just talk about today. Let's get through today. I was on vacation last week. Thank you all very much. Celebrating our 30th anniversary and my 53rd birthday. One of those I'm excited about. The other, eh. Uh, and Bianca was reading the newspaper, which is a bad thing. You really shouldn't do that. And, and she said, uh, things are bad out there. And I said, but Bianca, there's nothing bad happening to us today. Can we just let today be enough. Today has enough trouble for its own. And just be faithful. Do you despise that? Do you dislike that? Do you want to be a, a hero of the church? You know, you know who the heroes of the church are? They're the mamas who sing Jesus loves me to their babies. Who teach them, now I'll lay me down to sleep. That's why most of us are here. That's where most of us were saved, at our mother's knee. Not at some huge conference preaching to thousands, but listening to our dad read the Bible and watching him pray over supper, watching, I mean, good night. Dads, 
some of you are so worried about whether or not you're good dads, just come home at night. If you just come home every night, you're like better than 90%. Be faithful. Do the little things. You got to church that. I, I get so mad when people will say about, you know, so-and-so, well, all he does is come to church. I'm like, dude, that's hard. I think it's hard. Some of you, you got your kids to church today. That's hard. And you got to come in these doors without looking like you had a big fight in the car. I know you did, but you were able to look like you didn't. Some of you are single, and you drug yourself to church today. And I know that's hard. I know that's hard. It would have been so much easier to stay in bed and listen to the rain or have one more cup of coffee. And I know that's a long, lonely walk from the parking lot. Thank you for making the effort. Thank you for being faithful. That, that's all God asks for you. Some of you older people, and if you're older than me at this point, sorry, hate to break it to you, but you're old. If you're older than me, just keep being faithful. You made it. You haven't given up. You've had a lot of sorrows in your life, but they haven't beaten you down. Keep praying for us. We need it. Keep praying and loving those grandchildren. Oh, uh, come talk to me. I'll, I'll explain to you how uh, one educational psychologist, after years and years of research, discovered that the best thing a person can have is grandparents. You can, if you can grow up with four to six adults smiling at you, you have the best chance of health. You haven't given up. Thank you. Thank you. You're the heroes of the church. Just stay faithful, and God will faithfully deliver you. Just stay faithful, and God will faithfully deliver you. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, but Ricky, one of these days, God's not going to deliver us. I mean, God delivered Daniel, but there were other people thrown in lion's dens. Hebrews even talks about that. Some of them didn't survive. Some of them were sewn into skins of animals. And so the lions would think they were antelopes or whatever and, and have really fun eating them. What about them? Ultimately, the grave waits on all of us. What about then? And, and if you're, you're tempted to doubt, if you're tempted to say, yeah, that's a good story to encourage my kids, but I know it wouldn't happen to me, I need to remind you of Jesus in the lion's den. Jesus in the lion's den. I've tried to teach you all how to read the Old Testament. And if you don't see Jesus all over this story, well, I have failed. He is all over the story. What do I mean? Daniel was faithful. He even says, I, I, I survived, I was rescued because there was no fault in me. He was wrong. He wasn't perfect. He was close. He was, but he wasn't perfect. But he's prefiguring another. He is prefiguring another who would be tried, who would be hated so badly that trumped-up charges would be put against him, that he'd be falsely accused, and who would live his whole life 
without a single sin, his whole life with Satan finding no handle in him, would live his whole life without giving in to a single temptation, would live his whole life doing nothing but loving his neighbor and loving his God perfectly. And he did that for a reason. He did that because he had a righteousness to give us. And and you've got to understand that, and you can't ever forget it. You can't ever forget that the reason why we are righteous is because we have Jesus' righteousness projected on us. I had someone tell me the other day that he thinks people like being sad and beating themselves up because they feel like if they're sad enough for their sin, God will bless them. God will forgive them. Jesus was sad enough for your sin. He shed those tears for you. And his righteousness is projected on you just like this lion and these words are projected on this screen. When you look at this screen, what do you see? You see a lion. You see words, right? But what are you looking at? You're looking at a white screen. That lion's not there. You know that, right? It's projected there. You're looking at a white screen. That screen is white. I have seen it. In the same way, when God looks at a sinner like me, like you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. I have done nothing. Oh, the the parallels go further than that, right? There's another one who would be brought before the king, Pontius Pilate, charged, They would appeal to his pride. You're no friend of Caesar's. If you let him live, he would spend all day trying to find a way to not do it because he didn't want to crucify him. His son, his wife called him, uh, wrote him, did whatever they did back then, sent a messenger saying, have nothing to do with him. I had nightmares about him. And he ended up washing his hands of him and delivering him over to be crucified. There would be another who would have people surrounding him saying, if your Lord loves you, he can deliver you. That was Darius's last and first words to Daniel. And they were the words that people used for Christ, mocking him. You, God must not love you or he would deliver you. There would be another who would be thrown into a den. Surely you saw this, right? There would be another who would have a stone rolled in front of his tomb. There would be another who would have that stone sealed with the royal seal so no one could steal the body. And there would be another who, when that stone was removed, would have a surprising result. And this time he didn't shut the mouths of lions. He shut the mouth of death itself. He defeated it. He defeated it. Why did Daniel keep being faithful despite the threats because he knew he had one of two options he was either going to see something really cool when God shuts the mouths of lions or he was going to go to be with his heavenly father but he wasn't scared and we don't have to live our lives afraid because God is because Jesus died for us our sins were put on him and he died for us And his righteousness is put upon us. So we don't have to live afraid. We don't have to die the death he died. And he's blown the back out of that tomb. So that when we go into it, 
We're not going into true death, but into a new life that we've never known before. That's the gospel. And Daniel even shows us the thing after the gospel, the thing we're all truly looking forward to. He shows us the day when the lamb will lay down with the lion. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Don't you really want to pet a lion? Be honest. It would be cool. The day's coming. The day is coming when the earth is renewed and evil no longer walks amongst us. And that's what we are doing right now. We're seeking to bring the earth under the the rule of the new king. And how does the passage end? By King Darius, the ruler of the world, as far as he knew. He he, He didn't truly rule all lands, but he thought he did. Bowing his knee and worshiping God. And Philippians 2 tells us that day's coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all because of his death, because of his resurrection, because of his love for us. Jesus was in the lion's den, and he still is. And he will deliver us. Just trust him. Just receive it. All you have to do to earn it is do what the ground is doing right now. Just receiving, the ground is just receiving the rain. You receive God's grace. Just receive it. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we do come to you to receive your grace. To thank you for the righteousness of Christ. To, we don't understand that. I don't even, we don't even understand how it works. But what we know is that somehow when you see us, you see beauty. You see glory. You see joy. You see Jesus himself. And Father, we eagerly await the day when faith will come sight. And we will be truly what you see us to be. Until then, would you give us the faith? to live in this den of lions and to be faithful in it because you have been faithful to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.